0: This morning we are going to read our scripture together. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brock and I am one of the pastors here. Uh, So if you have your, your cell phone or your Bible, you can open up to Psalm 32. Otherwise, Psalm 32 will be up here on the screen for us. So this morning... Pastor Josh Stuhlmiller preaching for us, and so we will read the scripture and then pray for him. So if you want to start with me, verse 1, it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Maybe we can relate to that uh, today. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Would you pray for me as Pastor Josh comes up? Lord, we come before you this morning thankful for your word. We thank you for this psalm. As we reflect on it, we see the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing that you extend to us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our iniquity, you, you put a covering over us and make us right before you. We thank you, Lord, that you ultimately do that in Jesus. I pray that as Pastor Josh preaches this morning, that he would make much of Jesus, that we would see him and his work and the things that he has done for us, and that in response that we would worship and receive and thank. We pray, Lord, that you would be with him, allow him to remember all that he has prepared, remember, allow him to um, see the fruit of his labors today. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would leave here praising you, that we would shout for joy, and that we um, would rejoice as a result of our time here this morning. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.
1: Cool. thanks, Brock. Appreciate it, man. All right, good morning. Uh, as, as Brock said, yeah, my name is Josh. i um, one of the pastors here as well. I um, have a uh, house church in San Marcos. And um, uh, we meet on Wednesday nights. Um, this morning uh, we're going through Psalm thirty-two, as Brock just read. Uh, we're talking about sin and confession. Yeah, right. Maybe as as Brock or uh, yeah as Brock was reading, you're like, whoa, you know, confession, sin. We're going through habits of grace. Uh, we, we talked about fasting, uh, reading the Bible, um, giving, being generous. Uh, and today we're talking about confession. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot that probably gets conjured up when we hear the word confession. Yeah? Um, the, what, what sort of things come to your mind when you hear confession? Go ahead, just tell me. Was it a booth? Yeah, yeah, booth. Whoosh. Yeah. What's that? Guilt. Yeah, guilt. Absolutely. What else? Shame, yeah, yeah. But the very first word in this psalm by David is what word? Blessed. blessed. It's blessed. Now, that's a word we don't use every day, right? You ever go to work, right, and somebody says, eh, good morning, how's it going? Blessed, right? No, right. It's, it's almost like it's, it's one of those words that we only use... In like in this building, right? Hey, I'm blessed, brother. Blessed sister, right? And sometimes I don't know. For me, it's it's it seems kind of disingenuous. I don't know. That's just my own my own shortcomings. You know, when I when I hear that word, um, but that is a um, word that we don't use very often. But it's a it's a very important word. It's a word that's obviously used all throughout Scripture. Uh, it, it, it's a word that uh, that has a lot has has a real deep meaning other than just feeling good, feeling good. When I see this word blessed and the way it's used in the scriptures, uh, what I picture in my head is um, is when you're driving down uh, the, the the freeway and you see the billboard, right? You see the billboard with, with a guy on the beach in a recliner and you got the cervezas right here next to him. And you see a cool breeze, you know, kind of, uh, image on that. It's just you're living the life. You're living the life, this, this joyous, deep, life-giving, fulfilling, blessed life. It's a, it's a, it's a life that is, that is fulfilling. It's, it's a life that has deep vitality. That's what the scriptures mean when they use the word blessed. And here, David is saying, Blessed is the ones whose transgressions are forgiven. And he also uses the word sin. Sin. That's also another word that, you know, we don't use a lot, right, in our everyday life. That's not something that um, that maybe we even speak to each other, you know, to to our spouses, to our children. Um, It's it's a word that I think nowadays um, we use... Very flippantly, we use the word sin in commercials when they talk about chocolate. You see the dove, com- you're right, your, your Dove commercial, right, where it says, "Oh, this is this is sinless chocolate," right? It means it's sugarless, right, right, or, um, or oh, this is this is my sin. I eat chocolate, you know. Uh, it's it's something that doesn't connotate the deep meaning of the word transgression. So, in the very first verse, it's actually used twice. You know, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And so those are two actually different Hebrew words. Now, um, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, nor do I play one on TV, uh, but I do have the Google. And uh, the Google helps out a lot. Uh, I have Logos software as well, and so that saves me. Um, So, all the education that i paid a lot of money for, you just buy the software and you're good. Um, So, um, what we're going to talk about is the devastating reality of sin. The first word, transgression, is the Hebrew word peshah. Now, this is a rebellious self-assertion. Basically, it's self-autonomy. Right? We want to define for ourselves what is good and what is bad. What this is saying is that we as human beings, we don't want limitations on our lives. This is exactly what happened um, to Adam and Eve in the garden. As they were in the garden, God gave them charge of the entire garden. Hey, you guys are managers of all this. Now, he said, but there's only one rule that I, that I have for you is... is don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent came and, and was testing and tempting them to eat of that. And they decided to pashah. They decided to determine for themselves what good and bad is. And that separated their relationship with God. See, basically, they said, nobody tells me what to do. All right? That's me. That's me. Somebody says, Josh, you do this. I, I'm immediately, whoa, can't tell me what to do. That's, that's I mean, you guys, this, this was an extremely challenging message to put together. Okay, for me. I mean, could you imagine thinking and praying about confessing and sin and, right, like all, all week long, you know, before that, I knew I was going to be talking on this, you know, weeks ago, and it's just every time I get into it, it starts to hit. I'm like, oh, man, here we go again, here we go again. Just this constant, just exposure of myself. Very tough, so bear with me. So this word pasha, this word pasha, this, this self-autonomy, nobody can tell me what to do, right? Anything that gets in the way of my desires, Anybody that get, anything that gets in the way of, of what I want in life, I'm going to break it. It has this natural proclivity to breaking stuff. If, 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 there, are, if there are rules in my life that, that get in the way of my desires, I break those rules. Right? I speed all the time. You know, it's you know, that, that freeway sign, forget it. I'm going fast. If, there, if there's promises that I make that get in the way of my desire, I break those promises. That's what it's talking about. And especially relationships. Peshaw is, is if there's a relationship that gets in the way of your desires, you break that relationship. And we see that all across our culture today. All across. Peshaw. All across our culture today. The second word, sin here, is uh, katah. It means to go off the path. It means to miss the target. It means to wander off and fail. So think of, uh, think of lying right? You guys ever lie? Yeah, of course. If not, you're lying. Sometimes when we lie, we get caught. Sometimes we don't, right? But if we lie, there's something that happens. If we're lying to somebody, we begin to erode that relationship. We begin to break that relationship down when when we lie. We ruin it, Basically, we're treating people as objects, not as people. We're trying to control people when we lie. That's kata. It's dehumanizing. We're dehumanizing that person. We're dehumanizing ourselves. What we're doing is we're actually participating in the downward spiral of society. You see, when Adam and Eve took hold of that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and they decided for themselves what is good and what is bad, sin entered into the world, and death through sin. And this is what he's talking about. And and we're participating when, when when we're dehumanizing ourselves, we're dehumanizing other people, when we're lying. You see, when the Bible says, oh, don't do this, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, Don't commit adultery. It's not just saying, hey, do this so that, you know, you can be a good person. No, he says, I created you to be a certain type of person. I created you to be an image bearer of God. And and when we break these rules, when we we sin, when, when we recognize our brokenness, what we're doing is we are participating in that death through sin in society. Even if we don't get caught. Even if we don't get caught in our lie. Even if we don't get caught stealing. What we're doing is we are contributing to that downward spiral. We're contributing to the overall brokenness of the world and society. That's Qatar. See, that has a lot, lot, of, lot more deeper meaning than just, you know, oh, my sinless chocolate. But, blessed is the one whose transgressions are covered. Are covered. So, think of Adam and Eve again. What was the very first thing that they did when they sinned? They hid. They hid from God. And then they covered themselves. You see, there's something naturally within us that that we need a covering. We need a covering it's natural. It's, it's something that, um, that we think about constantly is covering. We walked into, into church this morning wearing covers, right? Not a single one of us was like, ah, I don't need that, right? Just walking in there. Thank you. Um, but a lot of times when I think of this covering, I think of uh, so, like social media, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, right? What are the things that we put up there? What are the things that we put up on our Instagram page? The best, right? We take that picture. Not, no, not that one. I got to take it again. Retake. How many selfie retakes have we had to take for our Instagram? It's countless. Countless, right? It's always the best. We don't want to put up our failures. We don't want to put up our brokenness. Again, right? We're, it's, it's this covering. It's this covering. And it's, it's just something that's naturally within us. See, we have this desire to control what people think about us. We live in a time where where we try to define for ourselves what is right and wrong. We make up up our own minds. Um, We we want to live in a guilt-free society. Or or what we do is we'll, we'll cover up our own brokenness by pointing out other people's brokenness. You ever do that? You ever do that? I do it all the time. At least I'm not as, as bad as that guy. And then I hear that. I'm like, my kids are gone? All right. So I hear that from my kids, right? I'm like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, he did that. Well, she did that. Right? They do it all the time. It's something that we, when we, we try to cover up our own brokenness by showing how bad other people are. So what do we do? What's the treatment? What do we need? There's three things. There's three things that um, Psalm 32 tells us. First, we need an unchanging standard. Secondly, we need to take the full responsibility. And thirdly, we need to separate true confession confession from self-pity and self-punishment. In verse 5, it says... I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Remember, we are talking about confession that brings life giving, self sustaining change. Confession says that there's something wrong with us, that there's brokenness in my heart, there's brokenness in my mind, there's brokenness. In my life, confession also contributes to changing our hearts and changing our uh, desire to do the things that um, we have a hard time doing. And, and, and it changes our hearts to, uh, to allow us to not do the things that our selfish desires want us to do. So, the first thing is we need an unchanging standard. So this is basically, what does God think? What does God want us to do? That's unchanging. The word of God tells us exactly what God wants us to do. But a lot of times, we have this unrealistic expectation on ourselves and on others. We think, well, what, do, what does our neighbor think about us? Or, or, or what does my so-called friend think about us? What does what my... Uh, co-workers, think about it. It's, it's their opinion. Those opinions change constantly. Or our society, our society's opinion of what is right and what is wrong. That changes. That, those are shifting grounds. Do you guys remember when it was like totally fine to smoke in restaurants? Right? Yeah, airplanes too. Yeah. It was totally fine, right? Nobody would, nobody would bat an eye at it. Today, you light up in a restaurant, holy smokes. Pun intended. Yeah. It's, that, that would be a, a huge sin in the eyes of culture. But those are shifting grounds. Even our own hearts, even our own hearts would tell us something that God would not. Sometimes we have unrealistic expectations on ourselves ourselves. You see, Paul even recognized that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. See, Paul's saying that he doesn't care who judges him, not even himself. Because things change. People's opinions change constantly. And in 1 John 3.21, beloved, if our own hearts condemn us, we have confidence before God. We have confidence before God. Secondly, taking full responsibility. Taking the full responsibility for our sin. In verse 5 here, it says, and he did not cover his sin iniquity. He did not cover his iniquity. One way we cover our own sin, one way we cover our our own brokenness is we blame shift, right? We do this all the time. Well, you know, the only reason why I did what I did is, you know, like, you don't understand. You don't know who, like, who my kids are, right? The reason why I totally blew up at them, the reason why, you know, I totally lost control uh, was because these little, you know, Brats, you have no idea, you don't know what it's like living with them. We make excuses, we blame shift. You don't know who my dad is, you don't know who my mom is. Right? That's the reason why I am who I am, is is because of, of them. Now, now those, those may be occasions or descriptions for our own brokenness, right? They're not the cause. What is the cause? It's us, it's our own hearts. We're the cause of that brokenness. We're the cause of our own of our own sin. And so taking full responsibility means that we, we have to uncover the entirety of our own brokenness. You ever get something stinky in the fridge? We had some chicken a while back that was in the fridge. It's always chicken, right? It was stinking, stinking up the refrigerator like no one's business, right? If, if you only take part of the chicken out, doesn't get rid of it doesn't get rid of the smell you have to take it all out you have to take all the chicken out in order for the smell to go and then you got to wash it right because even just a little bit even just a little bit of that chicken juice is on the on the counter it still smells can't can't get rid of it got to get it all you have to be real Real life-giving confession starts where blame-shifting ends. We need to take it all out. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with God. You ever try to lie to God? doesn't work. doesn't work. And I'm the type of person that bottles everything up, right? I, I, I stick it down deep inside, I just, and I leave it there. Look at verse 3. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groanings all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. He's telling us what it feels like. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way when you're holding on to something and and you haven't let it go? You haven't let it out? It festers, keeps you up at night. It's always there. That's what he's talking about. But He says when we confess all of it, when we let all of it go, when we uncover all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of, that, all of those transgressions in our lives, when we open it all up, it's freeing. It's life-giving. And then thirdly, we need to separate true confession from self-pity and self-punishment. Now, again, I mean, this is, this is me. That's why this message was so tough, because, like, I'm, I'm exposing myself. I'm uncovering myself to all of you, okay? Self-pity, right? Whenever, whenever I get, you know, either caught in a sin or I get exposed, you know, maybe I wasn't treating my wife the way I should be treating her, and she calls me out on it, right? My first reaction, right, is, oh, poor me, right? Oh, poor me. I, I got caught, you know the the only reason why I feel sorrow is because now I'm being punished for that. I did that all the time as a kid, right? As, as, as a kid, when I when I got grounded, or if I got if I got spanked, or if I got something taken away, or whatever, it's. I wasn't sorrowful for what I did. I was more sorrowful that I got caught and the consequences, right? You see that on like court TV all the time, right? When when the sentence, the verdict comes down. Oh, it's life in prison. It's you know, uh, it's, it's 25 years, and, you know, it's millions of dollars in fines, right? Just sorrow. It's, it's because of the consequences, not for what they actually did. That's self-pity. That's not true confession. Secondly, self-punishment. You punish yourself for what you did. Man, why did I do that? Why did I say those things to her? Why did, why, did I punish, why did I lose my control with my kids? And you beat yourself up. It's so stupid. You, you can't even control your own, your own mouth. And you beat yourself up. And the reason why we beat ourselves up is so that, that we feel better about ourselves. And what we're doing is we are saying that what Jesus Christ did on the cross wasn't good enough. That I have to add on punishment to myself. The cross didn't do it. It wasn't finished. I have to finish the job. And we do that to others, too. We do that to others. Where we feel like we have to punish them, even though they've asked for forgiveness, even though they they desire to do the right thing, and we desire to punish them all the more, as if what Jesus did wasn't enough. One thing that I've learned in my life that, that really helped me overcome challenges and brokenness in my life, is is to recognize that very fact. And that as soon as I screw up, I go, Jesus, thank you for forgiving what I just did. Thank you for forgiving what I just said, what I just thought. Verse 9 says, be not like the horse or the mule without understanding, which which must curb with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you." I used to have a horse when I was a kid. We put the bit in, right? And whenever the horse needed to go, wanted to go left and I wanted it to go right, you, you pull on it. You pull on, the, on, on those reins, and the pain of that bit in the mouth, he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm gonna go that way, right? Or you know, if, if you want it to, to, to go faster, you kick it, right? So the pain moves it in the direction that you want it to go. Right here, David is saying, Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Self-pity, self-punishment, trying to change yourself through pain. No, no, no. Jesus has already taken care of it all. Now listen, it's kind of weighty. Right now, if you know you're engaging, you're thinking of all the brokenness that's happening all of it. Some of us have some really big stinky chicken in our refrigerators. Sometimes it's way too much to handle. Just thinking about it draws us into a really dark place. You guys with me? This is where I'm at too. But there's a life-giving cure There's something beyond that. In this psalm, it says, Blessed is the ones whose sins are not counted against you. How can David say that? How can David say that in his life? You see, he knew something. He knew that God would provide a covering. He knew that God would do something. You see, the Apostle Paul saw this as well. In Romans chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, it says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies, the ungodly his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also spoke of this blessing, one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes Psalm 32. says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's amazing. He's saying, as far as the east is from the west, so as far as our transgressions are removed from us. How far do you have to go west before you go east? Doesn't work that way, huh? You just keep going. So if God sends our sins west he sends us east. When shall we meet again? Never. Confession is being willing to uncover our sins so that God can cover it. So that God can cover it. Listen to 1 John 1.9. Try to get something. I miss this the first 20 years of, of my life. Um, and... Understanding this um, absolutely changed everything. First John one okay, nine, don't miss it. Here we go. If we confess our sins, he God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you get that? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just. He didn't use the word mercy. He didn't use the word gracious. He didn't use the word loving. God's loving enough not to count our sins. You know, he used the word just. That means it would be unjust for God to do anything to you for your sins. It would be unjust for him to do so. Because Jesus Christ has already taken care of all of it. All of our sin, all of our transgressions, all of our brokenness. Everything in our lives was placed upon Jesus on the cross. And all of Jesus' righteousness, all of his perfection has been given to us. And if God were to count any sin against you, it would be unjust for him to do so. It would be it would be punishing a crime twice. It's unjust. That's amazing. That's amazing news. And he's saying, "Hey, uncover uncover your sin." Allow yourself to be exposed, vulnerable to a holy God. And what he's going to do, he will immediately cover it. Immediately cover it. And it's uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable. But we serve a God. We have a God that is so loving, so gracious. He already took care of it. It's the faith that we have in Jesus Christ that he had completed the work on the cross. It is done. It is finished, he said. Nothing else needs to be done. And so when we talk about confession, I hope that those words that easily conjure up in our minds as you know, you know being, being judged, failure, um, you know, the fear of, of exposing ourselves, we know, we know that we have a God that will cover it right away. Cover it with love, cover it with the with the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ upon our lives. We have a new hiding place. Lastly, in um, in verse seven, it says, you, God, are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. We have a new hiding place. We have a new covering. It's the complete work of Jesus Christ. See, that changes our hearts. That changes us. Not just behavior modification, it's recognizing that it costs everything to Jesus for the things that I've done, the things that I've said. So whenever I, I well up in, in pride and arrogance, I think of the humility of Jesus on the cross. Whenever I, I, I feel like being greedy and stingy and just holding stuff to myself, I think of the generosity of Jesus giving his life on the cross how could I? How could I, how could I again, how could I again you know, lie, or how, how can I again steal when, when, when everything was given to me in Jesus? How, how, how can I be so prideful or arrogant if the humility of Christ on the cross paid for all of it? That changes that changes the heart. His love has no end. The greater Your sin, the greater his love and mercy. It's amazing. The greater our sin, the greater his forgiveness. And in a minute, we're going to respond to the text that that we've gone through this morning. We're, We're going to be taking communion. I think that this is the perfect time to uncover before your God, to uncover before him, it's a freeing thing. Don't allow, allow those, to, those, those brokenness, that, 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 that brokenness that, that we experience throughout, throughout our days, throughout our weeks, throughout our lives, don't allow those things to fester in our hearts. Open it up. Allow God to take care of it and to cover it. Let God send it as far as the east is from the west.
0: Will you pray with me?